and one we are live hey guys welcome to the doctrines of rad podcast what's up we're back again episode 27 i thought we were on episode 28 but uh that's still pretty good man that means you know we haven't been consistent every week so we're probably we've been doing this i looked our first podcast was march so we're gonna be we're gonna be celebrating a year pretty soon in wow two two or three months I don't know why I figured we start it sometime in the summer. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it would have been springtime that we started yeah. it. We, we started, I mean, it, yeah, March, I think March 3rd was the day. Uh, and uh, we still don't know what we're doing, guys. <laughs> we're still we're still trying to figure it out. And uh, none of it, uh, <laughs> none of it makes sense. But we're here doing yes, this thing. Yes, they still keep coming They back. still keep coming back. We appreciate it. Um, I thought it might be kind of fun if we just took questions from the audience tonight. What do you think about that, Logan? I want to hear what atheist TikTok's got to say. I'm an atheist because. Well, okay, so let's do this, guys. If you have any questions, whether you're on YouTube or on TikTok, you can uh, submit your questions and uh, we'll answer them for you the best that we can. Let me just preface this by saying that... uh, Neither Logan or I claim to know everything, and uh, there will be some things. Well, okay, so uh, let me—I don't know everything. I think Logan does. So let's just say, uh, not atheist TikTok. <laughs> That's uh, YouTube. All right. So if you have any questions, uh, we we do have our first question. Actually, is from the TikTok atheist. Have y'all read the whole Bible? Uh, yes. I will be the first to tell you that there are some books that I have not read. Um, mainly like Chronicles. Um, I can't say that I have a very good uh, a grasp necessarily on Old Testament stuff uh, as much as I would like to. That's probably my weakest point uh, when it comes to biblical understanding and um, and piecing things together. But that's something that, that God has been really uh, dealing with me with. So uh, I, th- I think there's a difference between reading and like deep dive study. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you, absolutely. Can, you can turn your mind off and just mindlessly read through something just to get the content. Um, but there's a difference with like, so have I, have I done a deep dive into every single thing? No. Oh, of course not. not. No. Um, I would say I have a, enough understanding uh, and enough, uh, enough study at this point now for 21 years that uh, my faith is, not tested as often or as in the same way that it was, uh, say 15, 20 years ago or 15, 16 years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm definitely not, I don't, don't know all, all of the answers don't have all the answers. And, uh, I'm not afraid to say that I don't know. And I actually, I'm not afraid to say that I'm wrong about stuff. Absolutely. Uh, beards or mustaches followers of the shepherd says, what, what's your preference there? (laughs) That seems like that's a dig on you. <laughs> right. Uh, my wife likes mustaches right now, so I'm just, oh, yeah. just keeping up with the trend. You got to you gotta do what the wife wants, ultimately. There you go. It really matters the most. I didn't when, buy this uh, sweater. She bought me this sweater. That's a cute sweater, man. It looks uh, it looks very warm. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Dude, it, how, how's the weather been where y'all are at? Um, it, I, I like to mix my fabrics, so... Uh, R- Rissa says you've got a Wario mustache. 
Anthem Mario. I can't wait for that movie to come out. I want to. I'm see excited it. for it too. I don't care who's playing Mario, dude. You know, I think uh, Chris Pratt will do a great job on uh, being the the voice of Mario. The 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 trailer that I saw so far looks pretty good too. So Shadow Boxer said, "Beard is greater than Wario beard." Hi, Angie. Beard is greater Our than mustache. Mario mustache. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm partial to the beard. In fact, I told my wife. Uh, speaking of wives and their opinions. Uh, I told Rachel that I was considering, you know, shaving it down a little bit to kind of go to more of just a kind of like a not a not a five o'clock shadow, but like maybe a month's worth of growth. You mm, know? I like uh, that. That's right. I keep it at that week's worth when I grow my beard. Yeah. yeah. How long have you had that mustache now? A month. Big okay. month. Yeah, maybe two. I think no, actually, it was uh, Thanksgiving when I started growing it out. Yeah, and keeping it. Do you think but, that? Do you think the mustaches are coming back? I feel like I've I've seen quite a bit on social media about mustaches being yeah, more popular. Yeah, I think I think they are. It's the mullet mustache. Top the mullet gun. is definitely back. That's so weird, I, isn't it, dude? Dude, I tried it. My wife was like, "Hey, can you just like see what it would look like?" I I didn't like it. I cut it all off. I couldn't. That, well, obviously, the I soldier couldn't. in me was like, "This is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's below my collar line, sir. I can't wear anything below my collar line." That was right. Yeah. I, so, for those of you guys who don't know, Logan and I both have military backgrounds, so that uh, kind of comes comes with the territory a little bit. I think that's why I've been so stubborn about keeping my beard. Generally, is just you know, I've only been retired for three years. It was three years this November. So, but this is a, you know, I've had this, I've had this beard pretty much since, I mean, there's, there's pictures, uh, my Google home has a, like it shows old photos and stuff like that. It has them on yeah. like a rotation. So I'll get pictures every now and then of uh, the mustache or just the, the, the early growth, you know, primary mustache, just early growth. And I don't like it as much, but. Are you still missing it? Missing the military? Yeah, I'm still in that stage where I miss it. No, dude. I have, I, was... a, so I have a new coworker that rides with me, and he's like, he's like, I don't get you, dude. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you just don't stop. You just mm. keep going. You go from your, your coaching in the morning straight to roofing, still doing dad stuff, um, preaching and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, I just, I don't get how you do it all. It's like, I, I mean, I you think that's military? Time, Related or do you think were you I, I, already like that before? I think the no, I, I definitely think there was a as an officer specifically a, mm -hmm. a pressure to um, put work before everything else. Oh yeah, right? and so I think that's your wife doesn't come in your sea bag, Logan. <laughs> We didn't. We didn't issue you one of those. If you if you needed a wife, the government would have got you one. Bro, that I can't tell you how many times I heard that when it came right. to like excuse. But it's like now that I've been out, I'm like that's a really terrible thing to say to somebody. Like a really terrible thing. That's like because the military, you know, they say that they value family. They want you to to have family and family time, but but they really don't because when family time interrupts military time then it's a problem. And then you get labeled, you get blacklisted, you get treated differently than everybody else because, well, sailor so-and-so or soldier so-and-so doesn't have a spouse. So they get stuck with all the crap. It's like, well, I, like I didn't, 
I, I'm not I'm not preventing them from having a spouse, you know. I I, I realized that when uh, we had a new battalion commander come in, and uh, and I don't know how the Navy works, but in the Army, it was just like everyone was really nervous about this new battalion commander for same. some reason. We get the and same I was thing. like, I was like, why? And they're like, well, he's single, right? He's not married, so I know exactly what a, that means, dude. He, I know exactly. Yeah, and they what were like, means. he's gonna. He's just. They immediately put the stigma on him that he's gonna be at work till like seven o'clock every day. Yep. And if he's at work, everybody else is going to want to be at work because obviously they want to show him that, you know, they're hard workers too, so on and so forth. He was the first one out the door at five o'clock. That's that a man, good guy right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, he also had a, a girlfriend that was younger than me. So I was like, that's all right, That's exactly <laughs> the reason. That's, that's it, dude. He's living his life, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I had a, we had the same kind of stigma with, like our COs and uh, department heads and stuff like that, we would have the same kind of stigma, but I actually felt like some of the married men were the worst when it came to work. It's almost like they didn't want to go home. Like the miserable, like home life was so miserable that they were, that they would prefer to be at work. And so we had like one battalion commander that would, he would just show up. Like if you were on nights, you weren't safe, dude. Like night shift typically was safe. Because the chiefs, the rest of the the leadership, the department heads, they weren't they weren't showing up at two o'clock in the morning to do post checks, you know. Right. They 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 were uh, so like these guys. It's like you're. What are you doing here, sir? Like why? Are, it's it's three a.m. Like is there a good reason that you're out? It's like no, nope, just gotta gotta make sure my guys are doing the right thing. It's like no, I think you're. I think you hate your wife. I think you might actually hate your family. I've been accused of that too. Women saving the day for men, as usual. <laughs> Shadowboxer says, "Thank God for women." Yes, thank God for women. Thank God for women. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been I, trying to my, that same coworker. I've been trying to change his mind about certain biblical thing things that I think are biblical. So he's Methodist, United Methodist. Mm. Um, and I had a buddy call me who was like really concerned about. Uh, so he's a Reformed Baptist, and he calls me over, and it's obviously playing over my truck, and. He's like, dude, I can't. I don't know if I want to go back to this church. They had a woman stand up and lead in prayer. Mm. And he's like, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like that, that should have been the head pastor's like role. Um, and so he's he's been searching for like the perfect church, right? And I'm like, well, you got to stop doing that because you ain't going to find it, man. No, no, you it's just for need sure. to be, be content and be a good worker in the church that you do find. He's like, yeah, but I can't be at a church that's doing unbiblical things. So when yeah. I got done hanging up the phone, my coworker was like, I don't agree with anything he said. Why can't women pray in public and so, or pray in church? And, I, and it's like, I don't, the issue wasn't the prayer itself; it was the the idea of leading, um, where I think that that pastor should have been leading. So if I if I were to be a pastor of a church. Um, I, I think it would be an honor to open and close us in prayer. And I think that would be my duty to do so. Mm. Not that I can't delegate that out. I just, sure. I need to, I, I mean, that's, that's your job, man. You know, it's, yeah. I, I got that from Spurgeon, his lecture. Have you read Spurgeon's lectures to his students? No. Is this, is there's a book that it's I a, can obtain? It's a three, it's a three volume series of him. Oh, basically telling you not to come into the pastoral role or become a preacher if you're not called. And he's oh, like, yeah. he, and he's, and he, I guess he's dealing with things of his time, right. Of pastors not wanting to like 
you know, start off in prayer and stuff like that. He's like, I mean, there's some cowardice going on here. Mm. Right. So he's addressing issues of the time and he's trying to, you know, coach his, his students accordingly. Um, yeah, I, but I agree with him. I think it is, it is that pastor's like duty to open and close. Um, I think in, in addition to that, I, I love the idea of pastors having students like that to me, I feel like if I if I do don the role of a of senior pastor of, of the church, um, that's going to be a big focus of mine is um, it's particular discipleship with people mm. that are gifted to uh, in various ways to be a part of the body. Because, I mean, it's it's easy, I think, to find people that want to serve. That seems to be the, the easiest thing. People are willing to do like there will be people that are like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm good at, but I'll come clean the church, you know, or I'll help, right. you know, I'll do the janitorial stuff or I'll, you know, I'll do this. Or I'll, do, you know, we have a security team uh, at our church, which is, uh, you know, I think it's a great idea, especially in today's, you know, modern day, having, uh, having a security detail because we've seen church shootings. We've seen stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the, the worst, worst case is that nobody is prepared for when something like that happens. Right. Um, and the, another worst case is that you don't have a, you don't have a designated team. So the guys that are carrying or the girls that are carrying, they all respond. Then it's chaos, right? Like you have to have, you, you have to have specific like plan, you know, we call them uh, pre-planned responses in the Navy PPRs. You know, it's like if this happens, we have a general idea of how we are going to react and respond to the incident. But, you know, in churches, a you don't want to worry everybody. Right. Like you don't want to get everybody concerned um, that. Uh, well, mass hysteria can cause damage, too. Right. right. Yell fire in a closed area and people freak out. Right. Right. It, it ends up hurting people. Um, do you guys do. Does your church have a security team? I see Kat says that her church does. Um. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, so and once again, we're still we're still church hopping. Um, we're going to mm. try a church, another church that we we like, but both of them have a security team. Uh, one of them is uh, I mean, they're pretty discreet, right? It's just like individuals standing at the door. And you just know that. I mean, they, they all got their little earpieces, their walkie talkie so they can communicate. It's yeah. Probably, um, it really is about as far as it goes. I, I imagine they they're all wearing blazers, right? So I imagine the gun is hidden behind the I hate that that's the point that we're at in our culture though like I mean I know it's necessary and I don't think that it's wrong but I hate I also hate the background my military background because as a police officer that was my number one job was security mm -hmm. and so I I already have an awareness when I'm at church and I can get very easily distracted for example it wasn't last week but it was two weeks ago um, we had a, a guy come to the church that I, I don't want to say he was homeless. Let me just say that he appeared to be just a little disheveled. Uh, and, and it's not like it's so it's so difficult because you don't want to like have a prejudice. You don't want to like, you know, treat anybody. You definitely don't want to treat anybody differently because of how they look when they come to church. Right. Because they're right. And the Bible's clear on that. You don't give extra, you know, um, favors or whatever to people that are dressed nicely. You know, it's everybody is, is on equal grounds, but um, there was a guy 
that had came in and he sat in the back and he looked like he had like a little baggie with him of like maybe like a meal or something. And uh, I couldn't not keep my eyes on it. Like, and that's, I hate that. Like I hate it, but it's necessary. You know what I mean? Like uh, I was watching and I saw the, the security team, how they responded to it was, was very well done. The, the, Ooh, normally, here. So normally there's our, a lot of nuances that can occur. Yeah. Right? So normally the security team, the, the details job is to um, they're outside of the sanctuary, but in, in the way our church, we're, we're, we're in a, like a shopping mall area. Right. So it's like a, there's a restaurant, you know, we share uh, parking and everything with like a restaurant, there's a pet store. So um, when you walk into the church, it's essentially uh, you got a couple classrooms, you got the bathrooms towards the back, the sanctuary is on the right. And then you have like the youth, the kids in the back corner, but there's only two entrances to the church. There's the main entrance and then there's a back door and the back door stays locked throughout the whole service. So the security details job is ultimately just to kind of stand out in in the uh, foyer area and kind of just watch. They can peer in through the windows. And But I noticed when this guy had come in and I, kn- I know I wasn't the only person that was paying attention. Uh, our security guy came into the sanctuary and stood at the door in the corner and just close enough to be able to react and respond if something did happen, uh, but not where it looked like he was singling any specific person out. Like it, he, he didn't like sit down next to the guy, but he was close enough that he would have been able to, to react. Like, cause I think of, do you remember the, the church shooting that happened? It was a guy with a shotgun and a trench coat. It happens maybe North Carolina, South Carolina. I think so. Yeah. It was like two or three years ago, maybe longer than that. Uh, my time is, is usually off, but there's video of it. You can see the guy pulling out his shotgun and then you see there were people in the church that stood up and responded to it and actually shot back at him. And I think he only injured like maybe a couple people, but he was, uh, he ended up getting, you know, they, they stopped the threat um, pretty quickly. And so I, I think of that a lot because, you know, not only do you have to worry in today's era, you don't, not only do you have to worry about like protesters showing up, Right. Because, you know, there are especially in big cities, there's been people that show up and go into the church and protest during service. Uh, You could also anger somebody because if you're speaking about gender issues, you're speaking about, you know, things that are biblical, that are that the world has a real problem with with the church. uh, You could get somebody to react hostily towards something like that, whether just being disruptive, maybe not like being violent, but disruptive. So you, you have that possibility too but then you just don't know the type of person or the type of demonic attack that could happen you know yeah and that so so i believe the church is for like church service is for believers yes right it is not it should not be seeker dependent right um yeah so like i mean yes everyone is welcome come as you are come sit down and learn but it i i'm preaching to teach believers Right on applications of scripture, right? Like what it says, and then how do I apply that to your life, right? Um, and if I have a group of people coming in there to just cause trouble, and that's really all they're there for, then of course they're going to be denied entry, right? It's not because Jesus wouldn't have let them in or let them talk, like that's there, there's a time and a place, and that is not it, right? And I, 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 I I've, I've been seeing all kinds of videos of people like starting to go in and like, especially since uh, Roe v. Wade got overturned, like go in and just yeah. disrupt church church services. 
I mean, I think it's always going to happen, though, man. I think it's the worst decision that somebody could make in today's, like, in American church specifically, unless you live in a very liberal place, uh, you you are going to be going up against a small army of people that, I mean, even, dude, even when I was living in the Seattle area, we had guys that were armed at the church that would, you know, had their concealed carry permits and they would be armed, uh, you know, for self-defense and to, to protect the body. I mean, um, it's, that's the era that we live in. Uh, I think it's a reality and it's not, it's not foreign to the church. You know, there was a, there was a, an Indian pastor that I met when I was in uh, Chennai, India, Madras, I think it used to be called Madras or other way around. Um, but he got attacked by a, a an axe wielding guy during one of his services. And he, uh, the, the axe guy like chopped him up. Like he survived, but he was attacked with an axe. Like what? Yeah. Just his name brings was a hat in. Brought a brought a hatch. Well, I mean, in in India, it's a very it is predominantly Hindu population, and uh, it it is offensive to be a Christian. It's offensive to 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 reject your you know your uh, your upbringing. Um, we got a good question from follower of the shepherd. Uh, what are your opinions on annihilationism? I've mm. seen many apologists start taking this stance lately. I would I'm sympathetic to like why we want annihilationism to be uh, be true right and then you you see nuances in scripture I was talking to pastor uh, Slater about this a couple months ago um, right there there's obviously these nuances where you're like okay if annihilationism is true it makes things like have everlasting life make more sense right versus you know, a, a place of darkness, a place of torment, a place of anguish. Um, I, I always try to start like, what did the early church believe? Mm-hmm. Did they believe in annihilation or did they believe based on Christ's teachings that there was a place at which, you know, there, there was punishment. Right. And a lot of the times I, I personally think that people want to kind of give God an out, right? Eternal punishment. How is 80 years of existence on this planet, right? Or in this natural world, in this natural state, deserving of an eternity of punishment, right? And so we were like, how is that just? Well, the problem is we don't realize what a holy, like eternal God is, right? And then we don't realize the severity of sin. So, um, I, I mean, I'm not going to, I would never say somebody's not a brother in the faith because they believe in annihilationism. Sure. Um, I, I just encourage to really look at the holiness of God and see if, that, if that's really what God's doing here is we're, we're made in his image and his likeness. We're eternal beings. I don't think he's just wiping us out of creation as a whole. So it does seem this is a tough one because I agree. Like I, I want annihilationism to be true. I mean, this is me as a person trying to rectify how, how, what, what glory does God get out of eternal punishment versus just wiping someone off the face of the 
of existence um for you know for for their rebellion uh what glory does god continue to get right um because i do believe that everything that god does is for his glory and for a purpose um what i think solidified my view against annihilationism uh was when i heard uh two scholars michael heiser being one of them uh and uh justin justin bell i believe is another and he's a uh he's a university professor at uh some at one of the seminaries out there i forget now where um both of them uh very studied very very versed in hebrew very versed in uh in um jewish you know uh history and and doctrine and uh and you know new testament stuff too of course uh and they both have said that like annihilationism seems like seems like the you know a too good to be true thing but they just can't find it, it clearly taught in scripture because right. you you have to you have to do gymnastics around the verses that talk about uh not only the verses that talk about it but the we're talking about the church fathers go back even further what did the early jewish people believe about god what did god teach them about where people went when they died and uh i just i can't without doing enough theological gymnastics with those verses specifically that refer to weeping and gnashing of teeth and and refer to being in chains of darkness and being you know uh separated from god all of that i just feel like those are the more clear texts um than the idea than what i think would be you know what i what drew thinks would be better would be annihilationism but again i'm not god like i didn't make the rules hell is the center of the earth says guardian karab lake of fire is the sun and outer darkness is milky way super black hey it could be man like i mean i do think i my personal stance is that hell that hell hades sheol whatever you want to call it the place that people go when they die uh, I do believe that it is contained within the earth. Uh, that makes sense to me scripturally. Um, just the the uh, the idea of the the chained Elohim that are uh, that are in the in the earth uh, that are you know that that God has put there. Um, the parable that Jesus gave about the rich man and Lazarus seems to uh, indicate that there are that there's a chasm in that place between those that are there in comfort and those that are there in torment. But there is still a place, a physical place that the, the, the souls of people go. And uh, I think that's my current stance until I learn more and, and get more learned about it is, you know, that yes, uh, there is a place it's real and um, it is eternal. So I want to read to a few verses. Yes. Um, so we got, Matthew 25, 46, I'm going to start. Um, and this is obviously uh, Christ talking about the sheep and the goats, right? So then the king will answer, truly, I tell you, whatever you uh, did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. All right. So the annihilationists will say, well, what Christ is saying is the eternal punishment is the annihilation. Right. It is a it is a matter of fact punishment from mm -hmm. that moment on. Um, yeah. Problem is, is there's this idea of consciousness. 
it's not a continuous punishment therefore mm -hmm. it's not eternal right so i'm not i'm not being punished beyond the annihilation itself mm -hmm. the only people that can recognize the the punishment are those that have eternal life right so there's a distinction between eternal life and eternal punishment daniel 12 2 and many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life but others to shame and everlasting contempt mm. right so there's the there's that idea of consciousness beyond the 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 reality of, of because uh, of the of term contempt mm -hmm. so that'd be like an enduring uh it, it, basically an enduring thing from the lord the contempt coming from god upon those people for eternity so yeah i get i get what you're saying and then uh, whoever believes in the son has eternal life whoever rejects the son will not see life instead the wrath of god remains on him john 3 36 so once again you see the the ambiguity 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 yeah ambiguity you got it <laughs> i'm like i'm trying You're good, country boy. you got it i know you have an education way too long you were an officer you have to have a college degree <laughs> Hey, basket weaving is a degree. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I mean, you can look at them like, okay, the wrath of God remains on him. The moment they were annihilated, there was the wrath of God, and it, it, it's, it's not going to change. It's remaining. So. I mean, I could still, I, I can almost hear that. I could almost be persuaded that annihilation would be worse. Like just the ceasing to exist. Like we don't even know what that means. Like you can't, we can't grasp that. Just like we can barely grasp what eternity would look like with Jesus. Like what would, uh, what would be the, you know, I mean, that seems contempt. That seems like the wrath of God in your ceasing to exist. That would be forever because you could no longer be redeemed. You could no longer you just cease to exist. So that seems pretty eternal. You know? Yeah, but, but I, I hope to encourage everyone that even if it, if annihilationism is true or uh, hell is in a sense of a, of a place of eternal punishment, whether God is actively or passively punishing sinners, um, that you recognize that he has full authority to do what he wants with us. Right. And I mean, he's a, He's the definition of goodness. So when he makes a decision, it's the right one. Yeah. And I hope, I hope y'all can accept that. That was a uh, part of our lesson tonight. We had youth group tonight with the, the kids at church. And uh, one of the questions that was brought up, we were talking about other religions and people were, a lot of the kids don't know, you know, what a Jewish person believes and what Muslims believe, you know, they hear about it, but you know, they're still figuring out their own belief. Like what do they believe? But, you know, I, was about to, I was about to say, most Christians don't even know what they yeah. believe. Yeah. So we what got on the orthodoxy the, of the church. Oh, I don't know. We got onto the topic of babies and uh, because, you know, Romans three twenty three says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the, the topic came up, well, you know, Babies, they don't have a choice. You know, they 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 don't have a uh, they haven't made decisions. They haven't you know whatever. Uh, I I I listened. I heard a really good argument about babies 
uh, a good point made about babies, uh, specifically um, relating to, you know, first of all, what I'm going to say is I believe that God will always do right. So whatever God ends up doing, by the time that I'm face to face with him, whether he implicitly says, yes, they were, you know, babies are sent to hell because all have sinned and that's just the way it is. At that point, I'm already there with the Lord and I'll, I'll have a fuller understanding, right? So I don't think, I don't currently think that way though. So I, I just want to say that like, I believe God will always do right, you know, and I truly trust that, that whatever God decides to do about saving people, that is his business to do. I know the information that I have been given and I know what the Lord has revealed to me. And so I'm going to focus on this, on, on what God has given for me to do. So it isn't my place to say that God can't or can do anything. You know, it, God will do what he wants. However, I will say that I don't fully see the wrath of God satisfied in condemning a baby that is not able to let alone, you know, read, write, understand words, have a, have a understanding of, of anything. I don't see the God that I know being his wrath being satisfied in eternally punishing someone that doesn't know words that does, hasn't done, you know, much in their life. Uh, I, I just don't see that. So I, I, I don't know if that means that God does give special circumstances or provisions to children. Uh, but I think that the Bible teaches that we really shouldn't focus on that anyway. The Bible shows that, that Jesus is very, he very much loves children. There is yeah. a, there's, there very seems to be, so. he has a love for the young. He uh, loves he, babies. He loves babies. He, he, he is very concerned about those that lead young people astray. He's very, very much. You know, I think there's going to be a very severe punishment for, for people like that. So with taking those characteristics of the nature of God into consideration uh, and knowing that punishing of sin is satisfying the wrath of God, that is that is how God's wrath is satisfied. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just can't see God being satisfied. That seems unjust and unfair for a God who knows all um, and uh, and really, I don't know, maybe, and maybe that's the problem that I have with, I heard somebody make an argument against original sin and I forget what, what else they called it, but they said that they rejected the idea of original sin, but they still, it was like sin nature coming into fruition versus being born with original sin, like imputed sin from Adam onto others that everybody is ultimately responsible for their own sin and at some point that be, that comes into fruition with a human's life. What what are your is there any thoughts? <laughs> I got on that? I got a lot of stuff. Can I put a? I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I just but to to just give you some like stuff to chew on. Um, but to first off, I, I agree. Uh, and then for that individual who says they don't believe in original sin, uh, show me where you don't have to teach a kid to lie, cheat, hit, throw temper tantrums certain behaviors that are inherent within the individual right like i watched yeah. my like i watched my kid at like two and a half lie to me right self-preservation man yeah it's just the a result of the fall right so um do you think so i i would say me personally that i 
babies are every bit guilty, right, of being sinners, but they're innocent, mm. right? And there is a there is a distinction there that I and I, I think you're right that the character of God and Jesus even shows that anybody that leads these children astray is a is a far greater sin than just a just you know stealing you know some food to eat yeah or whatever right you put whatever sin you want on it he's obviously making a very clear distinction there <coughs> Bless but, you. but if god chose to toss a, a a let's say an aborted child or uh, a miscarried child or just a baby to into hell i mean just because he chose to he's just in doing so However, he's revealed things about himself that exactly. says he won't do that. Mm. And he doesn't do that. Because he's righteous. and Exactly. And he's a good judge. Not only is he just, but he's consistently just. And so, and this, this exact conversation actually came up in the truck the other day. Mm. I, I love this. I love my new coworker, man. That's awesome. Um, Great. Yeah. So he's like, I don't think... God sends people who never hear the gospel to hell because it's not their fault that they that God never reached them or the word never got to them. They never mm. heard the good news. Therefore, when they die, they get a pass. Mm. I was like, well, if you believe that and calling Jesus a liar, and I am the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father except through me. This story, very matter of fact. Um, He's like, it just, it just seems unfair. Well, the reality is, is those people are guilty of sin, right? Whether they realize it or not, they're guilty of sin. And God is holy. So has, it has more to do with God's holiness than it has to do with the sinner's behavior or whether mm-hmm. they receive the gospel or not, right? And so obviously uh, Methodists fall into the Wesleyan camp and I would be on the more George Whitfield side of things, right? When it comes mm. to election and uh, doctrines of grace. And he's like, it just doesn't make sense why you would think that the Holy Spirit comes to some people and not everyone. Um, well, I mean, reality is, is, I mean, there's people that just refuse to believe, man. And it takes a, it takes a, not just a renewal of the mind, but a, a spiritual birth for someone to accept Okay, that Jesus is who he said he was, that this he resurrected, mm-hmm. right? Like people don't come back from the dead. But three million Christians are willing, three billion Christians are willing to accept the idea that there was once where this man was bringing people back from the dead and then he himself brought himself back from the dead. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's crazy to think about, but it takes a spiritual birth for that to happen. Yeah. I, and so, I, I, I mean, I would have to say, yeah, like it takes the Holy Spirit doing that. So these people that never hear the gospel, never experience spiritual rebirth, they're guilty of their sin and they're they're right. going where God has righteously decided they will go. And but the, if people don't accept that, that's a you problem, right? That means you don't that, that means when you don't know God, you don't trust his goodness. You know, don't you think that they're that? The idea that people that don't hear the gospel would, you know, get a pass or whatever, wouldn't that, to me, my my initial 
thought is, well, that just diminishes God's sovereignty. Yeah. And that would say, hey, Christians need to stop talking immediately. Well, yeah, then we wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Then we would be doing a disservice to people by sharing the gospel with them, because if they had never hear it, then they would have a pass and they would be, you know, scot-free. They could come to God and be like, I didn't know. I had no idea. Shame, right? Think about that. Imagine if if that was the reality that we, we, we came to accept that and believe that, how little the cross becomes in that moment. Yeah. How pointless and useless it becomes. Well, and the Great Commission is no longer a purpose, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, because God calls to go out into all the nations and to preach and teach people to be obedient. I love what uh, Tombs Empty says. If Christ is not raised, our preaching is in vain. Our faith is in vain. That's absolutely true. You know, it is dependent. And th- that that goes back to like all of basically all of my arguments when people come to like, well, you know, like the Mormons, they'll say, well, you know, the Bible's been corrupted. The Muslims also say the Bible's been corrupted. Well, then then how can you know anything? You know, if if, if Paul's writing, well, Paul, Paul preached a different gospel. Well, then how can you know anything? How can you believe anything? If that stuff is wrong, if there's errors and there's corruption to it. Now, we're not talking about like obvious contra- uh, things that seem to be contradictions that can be explained. But we're talking about like grave errors well then throw it all out then it then nothing matters if we can't if we can't have any type of hope in there being truth in in god preserving his own word in order for us to know him if we can't have hope in that then there's no hope in any of it we have to throw it all out because there's there's just no there's no objective truth anymore yeah it's just whatever it's so if you if you don't accept the infallibility and inerrancy of scripture everything becomes questionable right and there's really no foundation, nothing solid to base your faith on, which is the resurrection, right? The The only way we know what we know about Jesus is through scripture. We know that historians have written about the, the simple fact that he did exist. There was an individual uh, who had followers, um, was crucified by the Romans. Yeah, even Roman records right. shows that. Right. Yeah, we have, we have historical records of the historical jesus but the only reason we know about him is through special revelation right which is scripture um and not only that but illumination from the holy spirit (laughs) satan don't get it man devil devil can read the bible all day long and he's gonna just look at christians like i don't see how y'all are making this connect no and we know that because we you know the uh Satan and his demons did everything that they were supposed to do without knowing that they were doing it. Mm. Like they, they, they glory, like they gloried in, we're going to crucify this Christ. You know, they thought even the demons uh, we were reading in Luke today for our devotion. And we were talking about Legion, the, the man uh, who was, who had the Legion of demons in him. And one of the very first things that they say to Jesus, as they see him approaching is why have you come to torment us before our time? Right. So they 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 see they well, they may have known that God had a plan. They may have known that there was going to be a way that God was going to um, attempt redemption, at least in their minds. Uh, and yet uh, everything that they did was exactly as God had planned it to go. And they well, think, thought, go ahead. Well, think about think about this. Right. Angels defy the everlasting holy God in, in his presence. Right based on the story 
and their punishment was just to be removed from his presence into a different dimension, different realm, right? So oh. supernatural world for the natural Hang world. Hang on, dude. I know where what, you're going with this. But what a, it's, a, it's a mercy to them mm. that they even exist at all right now. God doesn't annihilate them. Why would he annihilate human creation? Mm. A lake of fire to eternal punishment, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sympathetic to the idea of annihilation. I just don't agree with it. Like, I get why people want it. But that, once again, are you creating a God of your own making? Or are you willing to submit to the idea that maybe my God does actively punish in hell? Maybe he passively punishes in hell. Mm. I mean, that that's the question. That's the real question. Like, for me, as a because I believe in a, in a physical hell, um, is he active or passive in it, right? And that, that gets that gets a little difficult to to like work through. Do you remember so. when Inspiring Philosophy was on? I think we talked about hell with him. And yeah, completely disagree. <laughs> well, what I okay, I don't remember everything. What what sticks with me though? One of the thoughts that he had, and I I can see in some way um, that this may be true, but uh, I think one of the things that he believes is that those in those those that are punished for their sin will be for will, will forever be observing those that are not punished that are living eternally with Christ and that's part of their part of the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the torment is seeing the eternal life of believers in comparison to their life of of eternal torment like a window to heaven knowing that they are not there because of their rebellion and disobedience yeah. they exist eternally they are they will forever eternally watch the uh the progression and the and the salvation of believers but they will never be able to participate i like i like that like to me that makes sense and i think it makes sense just in the parable of the rich man and lazarus particularly that lazarus he can see he can right. see the uh, Abraham's bosom. He can see he can see Lazarus doing well and he's you know he's able to have some sort of a conversation and who knows you know who knows what God could have, if that is the case God could you know have uh angels guarding this pit you know angels mm. guarding this place uh, where that are able to communicate to those that are um you know in hell or in Sheol or Hades or whatever you want to call it uh and and be able to say, look, like, just like he said to the rich man, like it, even if they saw a resurrected person before them, they still won't believe, which is obviously Jesus is alluding to what he's getting ready to do. But he's saying that even, even if they had seen you come back from the dead to warn them about this eternal torment, they won't believe they're not going to believe it. And then we see obviously Jesus and people, people doubted, you know, seeing him face to face even after he had been resurrected uh yeah. contentious questions yes we love contentious questions calvin would, do. would daniel 12 2 kind of persuade you towards soul sleep i'm not opposed to soul sleep but i i have so, a but but here's the thing if you believe in soul sleep you have to take the parable of lazarus and the rich ruler as just a parable right because I, the, the the contention i've always had with that parable is why is God punishing twice? You're going into a separate holding place. Um, 
and already know where you're going and then you're going to final judgment and you're going to judgment why aren't we all in the same area unknowing of we've clearly been separated already right there's already been some segregation that's occurred but do you agree um, that those that are on earth now living in sin are under the judgment of God right now? Yeah. I mean, we're all under so it's the not, judgment of God. Yeah. It, maybe it's not it's not a punishment twice, but it's a continual punishment for the rebellion. And mm. it just never ends. Yeah, but I mean, the punishment here on earth isn't a segregation, right? Where one is one is like burning, I mean, right? It's still hot. Sure. I, I agree. I mean, but then there was there's the scene of Jesus leading, going down into Sheol and leading those captives out. So, and that's a problematic for soul sleep. That's probably the biggest right. contention I have with soul sleep. Right? I think the so. one, the one verse that I would go to immediately to counter soul sleep would when it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's the only problem that I have with it because what does that mean then? If soul sleep is true. And what does that mean to be absent from the body and yet to be present with God? Um, so remember, like the same way I, annihilationists can take scripture and shift it. I, I, I could do that easily by saying, oh, when you when you separate from your body, you don't know what time has passed because the moment you wake, you're in the presence of the Lord. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, I'm guessing here it's it's. Right. What would you make? But, I mean, of, Dan, Dan, Daniel twelve, and many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some yeah. to everlasting life, but others to shame, everlasting contempt. But do you think that that awake is specifically like a literal waking up, or do you think that it's using it as a euphemism for the resurrection? That's another question: Is do the damned get resurrected bodies, or is it just? For those who dwell on the new earth yeah because the there's the idea that we get glorified bodies but does that also like not not glorified in the same way but in you know i, I don't know man that's that's this is this is good because yeah, i mean so we have to speculate on all of these things right 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 it just it, our minds will always chase the chase the rope um oh here's a good one for your soul sleep Followers of the shepherd says, doesn't Hebrews debunk soul sleeping? And just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment? Well, yeah. So for soul, people who believe in a in soul sleep or um, a lack of consciousness before judgment, um, it, you're waking. There's, there's no time pass. You're waking into the moment, right? So you're, we, like, so Adam died thousands thousands of years ago and when i die me and him both simultaneously wake up at judgment day at the same time as if no time has passed yeah. so to everyone who is living in the natural world experiences time passing for those who cannot conceive time and yeah. it's passing are just waking up in judgment so um, would that just ultimately the idea of soul sleep seems like it's more of how we would view our resting place while still being in this created time right because if god is outside of time then it's it's really I, like i agree with what you said it's like you you would close your eyes on earth and you don't know how much time has passed 
but when you open them again, you are with the Lord. So perhaps soul sleep in the sense of human understanding of time is true. That's what, and that's the understanding there. It's, it's, it's consciousness of, uh, or of the awareness of natural time expand, like passing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I yeah, it's, I mean, it's a philosophical thing, dude. Like it's, again, it, yeah, it's all guesses. Uh, it's no, nobody knows for sure. And uh, you know, just I know because, Jesus is for sure. Just because that kid that. says heaven is for real and wrote a book on it. His dad wrote a book on it. Doesn't mean that, uh, you know, every everything in his experience was true. Uh, Calvin's question is, here's his contentious question. Uh, and it's really not too bad, Calvin. So if, if that's what you call contentious, you can ask contentious questions all you want. The answer is Texas. Um, he said, uh, would you rather be in hell or Germany's uh, concentration camps? Germany's concentration camp. 100%. <laughs> totally agree. And, and and for the simple reason that if if God has placed me there, if that's where I'm supposed to go, because I believe that the Spirit is going to lead and God is going to take me and, and have me go where he needs me to go. If I find myself, actually, I believe that about hell too. If God wants to send me to hell, then I will praise him all the way down. That's as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, because I believe he is true, he has every right to send me to hell. But because of his promises and because I believe in his promises and I believe in his justice and his mercy mm-hmm. and I believe in his word, I have confidence that I will not be going there. However, like I said, if I'm wrong and God decides to send me to hell, then that's where I go. Right. And I what, what are you going to do about it? Right. You, you can't do anything about it. Um, you can if you know the truth and Jesus reveals himself to you. Um, however, uh, if I'm in a concentration camp, uh, that means that God still has a breath in my lungs and I'm going to preach mm. the gospel. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm going to die giving my life knowing that I gave as many people the opportunity to hear that what Jesus did on the cross and that they can be forgiven of their sin. Can you imagine like being in a concentration camp and bringing both Jews and Nazis to, to faith? Say That'd that again. Be awesome. Like being in a concentration camp. And bringing both Jews and Nazis to faith. There had to have been Christians there, dude. I mean, different camps, right? But yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I know that they did They did separate people, but that doesn't mean that the word, like, I believe that anybody that knows Jesus that is indwelled with the Holy Spirit is going to give their life proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, um, and, and it, we don't know that Jesus could have revealed himself to those in the concentration camps as well. I mean, he's doing it with dreams with Muslims. We hear stories about that. I mean, it's just, um, I think that uh, at the end of the day, I believe that God is going to save every single person he intends to save. There will not not be one lost, not one at all. Come on now, Vody. Come on now. Not one. Um, All right. Question, more questions. We got, uh, have you ever studied the seven feasts of God in Leviticus and their meanings? I can't say that I have. Not enough to talk about it anyway. Um, yeah, not not in depth. Yeah. Nah, Why do you neither. think that is? Why do you think that is? I have an answer for myself. I, I don't um, find it essential. Right? I, I find it to not be essential for... Um, how how we worship right so right uh, for somebody that is studying the the, the feast and gatherings and it, it is it is literal worship right in the sense of 
these holidays having these spectacular values when in reality the heart of the individual can be in the wrong place and it's like noisy gongs to his ears right and i think the sermon on the mount has really helped me separate tradition and religious practices and dogmas from mm. you know the reality of of what god truly desires which is full obedience and wow i just got live access removed from tiktok are you serious dead serious do you agree with the decision no Yikes. community guidelines should be adjusted i've seen similar lives wow so i don't know what to tell you but it's please explain to me for... is it the mustache I'm going to, guys, I'm going to log out of TikTok here real quick. Okay. I'll be back on in a second. Wow. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to get that reported as well. Uh, that doesn't surprise me, but you know, did we say anything? You can't say Nazi. Can't I don't say think Jew. we even said Nazi. We were just talking about. I, I said, if a Nazi and a Jew come to faith, like apparently. Oh, uh, I can't, I can't fathom that that would have been the reason. Dude, I'm not even allowed to have more than five people on my lives before like people start getting kicked out, apparently. She's Moonlight says, the mustache, LOL. Uh, um, this is so disheartening. Bro, hey, you know what, though? Listen, dude, like I've, I, I really <sighs> want to encourage you to realize that it doesn't matter. Don't, yeah. do not put value in what TikTok thinks about you. Don't consider that. It doesn't matter. This is the Lord is in control. He is sovereign over TikTok. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. And half the time we value things uh, that we shouldn't. Anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and go back live again. Let's see if it'll um, pick back. Live up. access has been denied. So it's probably some of our buddies' followers. I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, but I don't think so. Cause I'm friends that's, with him on this account. That's the group. That's the group though, that had Mike removed and banned from uh, what's up, Mike. Um, I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, I am started back up on the live. If you guys are watching here on TikTok, uh, Logan did get banned in the middle of our conversation. He got reported and his live got taken away again. So he has been removed um, and he's going to, so what happened to me when that when that happened before is uh, here I can try to send you another invite. Let me see. I can't. Oh, yeah, this you is, think I could come as a guest? So yes, you can. So here's the difference: your live access. There, there's two categories now of live access. There is a guest access and a host access. So let me see if I can get you. No, nope, it won't let me. No viewers yet. So you were guesting. So try to go live as a host and then invite me. See if that'll work. Because nope. they can do to restore your multi guest access, leave and start watching live again. Okay, so leave. I'm just tired of this app, dude. Like, I know. and this was such a great outlet for my creativity, my desire for attention. Like, it was just a quick way to like do a quick 15 second video, move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just. Thanks, man. Um, Logan, Where did Paul, Logan, go? Logan, Paul, uh, Logan got 
Logan's here. He, we're still live on YouTube, guys. If you make your way over to the Doctors of Rad channel on YouTube, it really is the better spot to be when it comes to the, to these lives anyway. Um, so if you could make your way, go to the Doctrines of Rad. Um, we are still taking your questions, but Logan got banned. Logan got reported again and banned. I'm an outlaw. I'm a gangster. You can't shut me up. Um, I do. I want to uh, let's. I want to discuss this question that follower of the shepherd asked. Uh, I say literal. I, cause... My opinion has changed over Jonah. Because okay. of inspiring philosophy. Oh. Uh, yeah. I believe that Jonah died. I believe it's a literal story. I believe he literally got swallowed by a whale. But I'm I'm actually convinced now that he died, was vomited up, and was resurrected. I I like I feel like that flows the most especially with the comparison that Jesus makes about himself being like Jonah. Well, I mean, it was just a matter of him going into the belly of the beast and belly of the fish. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, cool. I, I feel like that. I thought we were about to talk about literal, like in the sense is it was a real story or just a, Oh yeah. For real, real story. Real, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nineveh is a real place that was that, at least that generation in Nineveh was redeemed. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, let's not put too many, like, try to make too many connections that don't need to be there, right? Jesus wasn't running from the Lord's will at any point. Yet, he uses the parable of Jonah. Um, I mean, God. Uh, either way, it's beautiful, right? God's sustaining this man in the in the belly of a fish, keeping him alive. Uh, the other one, he brings him to life. So, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't think it matters either way, because I think whether God kept Jonah alive in the literal in a belly, or he died and resurrected him, it's both still miraculous. Like it's not a common thing; it doesn't happen yeah. to everybody. So, um, but I I I I do think that it's probably I I'm I'm more convinced that he died and was resurrected after he was vomited up. Um, but and you'd have to watch IP's video to see the scripture that he uses and to make mm -hmm. his connections. But uh, it, it was convincing enough for me that uh, I think that's the stance that uh, that I would have taken. Um, Footprint says I'm convinced that TikTok doesn't like your voice, Logan. Well, that's I am live on YouTube, uh, Crystal. That's rude. Because it it's no, a beautiful I'm, voice. Yeah, it's definitely not his voice. It's his mustache for sure. <laughs> Definitely oh, um, I got a question for uh, from. So, but remember, oh, like, like IP and others that are in that camp, they're evidentialists, right? So they, mm. they need, they're they're bringing philosophy a lot of times. Well, I mean, not all. There's a lot of things I like about William Lane Craig, right? But there's a lot of things I just don't agree with. Um, and I think we, if philosophy becomes more valuable than just the idea of scripture being what it is saying what it says. Um, I don't know. Just always caution. That's all I'm saying. Caution. Yeah. Well, that's the question that you have to ask when you are introduced to new information or new ways of looking at things. Like the biggest question is what does it change? 
what does what what does it change? Does does it change anything? If it doesn't change anything about the rest of the the Bible and what Scripture teaches, then I don't think it matters. Then either way, you can be like, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah, he died or he stayed alive. That's fine. But if it does change the things, then you have to ask what kind of change, and then is that you know mm, appropriate? That's good. Um. Okay, she is moonlight. How can I help a brother in Christ who's dealing with spiritual struggles and suicidal thoughts? I want to be there for him, but ultimately steer him toward Christ. Uh, so I would say first thing I always do is pray, right? Be there. Uh, so pray first, then be there for the individual dialogue, conversation, counsel. Uh, show them. People oftentimes don't care uh, what you have to say until they know how much you care, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I've actually taken this two ways where like, I've tried to show somebody the, like the reality of like, Hey, if you do this, um, this is, this is the consequences of this, right? Well, the people you're leaving behind. Mm. Um, and then the, the silliness of them giving up their life for something temporal, right? Something that, you know, a year from now, isn't going to be as big as it is mm. today. Right. Um, and then other times I've just because I know the individual I've been like, all right, go ahead and kill yourself, man. Go ahead and prove every go ahead and prove everybody right. Is that what you mm. want? You know, mm. tough, tough love kind of thing. Yeah. The rea- and, you you got to know the person like, for yeah. sure before you take the tough love stance. Though. You, you got to be. Yeah, it's, it's just like, I look, I, I've known you so long. Like, I know you're not going to do this. Like, mm. if you're if you're really on that point, then but the reality is, is that's not going to change anything. Right. Yeah. Until you come to Christ, until you stop fighting and stop running, you're going to continue to feel this way. And we're going to have this same conversation again three months from now, just like we did three months ago. So what is it? Why don't you want to come to Christ? Why don't you want to believe? Because obviously Mm -hmm. there's a part of you that does because you keep coming to me for advice on this particular thing. Yeah. And it's somehow causing you crisis of faith and crisis of, of identity Right. So understanding the individual, reminding them that without Christ, they, they, they really, you're, you're really nothing, man. Like I'm nothing apart from Christ. You're spiritually dead. So if they, obviously this person is dealing with spiritual, spiritual struggles. Um, just the simple idea that that tells me that this person has some idea of who Christ is. Yeah. Um, it may be believed at one point, are they spiritually dead or not? Um, and then just love on them. Like when I say I a tough love, I don't, I don't do. do it in anger and aggression. Yeah. I think that's the only thing you can really do is love people in those situations. Cause at the end of the day, their minds are going to be made up to do what they decide to do. So if, if they, if they take that hard stance and go and go so through it, if, if they, I'm echoing. if they take that hard sorry, stance sorry, sorry. and go, okay. What's up, guys? Um, Teens is over here now. So, um, I mean, look, I'll, I'll just be honest, man. Like, um, as a as a parent of of kids that are older, um, I've had to deal with suicidal ideations with with my son, with one of my sons, um, and there there's no easy way to go about it. There is no there is no cookie cutter way to convince anybody to not want to take their own life. 
other than to express to them how much they mean to you, how much that it would impact you, how much it would devastate you. Um, and, uh, and that it's ultimately, it's not the easy way out. Like explaining like what you said, it's like the, the issue may be there for a while, but it doesn't last forever. And that, you know, if there are things that would help to ease the burden from you, if there are things that I can do to come alongside of you and help you and walk this out through to make life a little bit less stressful, then let me do that. Let me bear some of that load. Um, but there isn't, there's not a perfect way. I mean, I had to, my wife and I had to have this conversation with my, with my son pretty recently and it was, it was hard. That's how do you, this is your own child who knows the Lord and has expressed the idea that they've thought about taking their own life. I mean, as a parent, there's, I don't think that there's very much else that's worse that you could hear from your kid. Mm. Uh, and because it's such a helpless position, you know, there, aside from loving him and, and speaking the truth to him and praying for him and, uh, and coming up alongside of him, what else do you do? You know, and yes, tough love is good for in some cases, you know, and some uh, cases. but you got to it, it has to like if it was so if it was me and Logan having a conversation and he came up to me and was like, hey, man, like things aren't going good. I'm thinking about, you know, doing this or whatever. I'd be like, don't be an idiot, dude. Like I would just I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know that I would ever be comfortable being like, well, just do it then. But like <laughs> I would I would definitely be like, don't be stupid. That that one circumstance I'm talking about is when I had had this conversation over and over and over again, mm, right, yeah. in different ways, and it was uh, his form of a cry of attention, right? Um, yeah, and, and I mean, I also explain to your son, intrusive thoughts are a real thing. Dude, just the other day I was driving my truck and I was like, man, if I just hit this tree, oh yeah, like. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking this, but like my wife gets 400,000 up front and I can just like, and you can just go, go be home. with the Lord. I get to go home. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, and so just, I mean, explaining intrusive thoughts are a thing. They don't, yeah. they don't need to, they don't need to take your mind captive. They they're there. Right. They're gone. Um, it sounds like this was a much more than an intrusive thought, but like, sounds like at this point a lot of things had built up to the point where it's like i don't see yeah the the light at the end of this tunnel so yeah and it again for some people it is really just it 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 feels like there is nothing left to do they've expended all of their options and that's what it feels like to them so maybe speaking again speaking truth to that situation let listening to them, listening to what they're what they're saying, and then speaking truth to what they're saying. If if it's everybody hates me, well, let's talk about that. Does everybody truly hate you? I can't do anything right. Well, let's talk about that. Can you? Is it really true you can't do anything right, or are you feeling in the moment that you've messed up something? You know. So I think being having a listening ear, you know, being slow to speak, let them let them discuss what's going on and then encourage them that you love them, that you mm. value their life, you value their presence, you value mm. them being a part of your life. Uh, that may be enough to help. But at the end, I mean, really, I think the reality is, is that someone that's convinced to do it 
they're gonna do it you know you you can only like we if you've done everything that you can as a person to come alongside of them then i don't think that you should hold any more guilt if that's the if that's what they end up doing you you don't own that if you've done what you can to pray for them to walk alongside of them uh and they made that they make that decision i mean that's it's a teensa i'm hey i'm right there look you're not alone sister like that you are you are genuinely not alone our kids are around the same age um there is there is a weird worldly glorification of unaliving there is a weird like a memorial a memorialization and it's a weird mindset that people in today's world have i think that they've had it for you know a while but there is um, a certain, you know, well, if I'm just not here anymore, I don't cause problems and I will be remembered and memorialized for this decision. But they don't, they're not thinking outside of the storm. And that's the biggest thing is like, you've got to realize they're in the middle of a storm. It's raining and thundering and lightning all around them. They don't see that just a mile away as the wind blows, the storm will pass. They don't see it. Because how can you, when you're so, you know, when you, when the, when the disciples were in the boat, they're like, Lord, we perish, we're perishing. The storm is here and they're freaking out. They don't know that their life is over. They can't see outside of the storm. They don't even remember that the God of the universe is in the boat with them. That's why he says, you have little faith after he rebukes the wind and the rain. Like, he's like, what else, like, what else do you need me to do guys? Like, I'm literally the creator of of this. I love how Luke tells that story. He's like, and then they looked at each other and were like, who is this that can control even the wind can like that like a base him. Yeah. Right. And they've been walking with them. They I you know, you know that they had heard, had to have heard. I mean, some of them I'm sure were at the wedding in Cana. They saw the water turn to wine. You know? Did they just forget that? Did they maybe did they try to excuse it away? Cause I know like the excuses that I make when it comes to uh, like faith struggles that I have, um, how easily I forget what God has done for me, how easily I forget what I dude. The longer that you are with Christ, the more you forget about what it was like to live in the world. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy to me. It's probably heart, heartbreaking. It's, you know, I, I don't ever want to forget what the, the, I don't ever want to forget what it was like to feel lonely and abandoned and on my own when I was in the world and how much I strived or strove. I don't know if that's the right word, how much I constantly tried to find satisfaction and fulfillment in the things that I did, whether it was drinking or, you know, just all kinds of debauchery. Right. But I never found I was never satisfied. It was always on to the next thing, on to the next thing, you know, repeats. It was a rerun every night of the same thing. Um, I don't ever want to forget how desperate that felt because I've been in the Lord now longer than I've been unsaved. I've been walking with Jesus. I've known Jesus now for longer in my life than I hadn't known Jesus. And it's very easy to forget where I came from. And I never want to forget that. I never want to forget what that was like. Absolutely. Yeah, because uh, it, it helps you recognize what you now have, right? I, I imagine there's going to be a point where you do forget the the subtleties of that, right? The or the nuances. I keep saying nuances all night, 
um, just like the, the different nuanced word. Then the, the different aspects of, of that pain and it gets replaced just completely by the, the redemption of the cross. And problem is, is we, we get comfortable, man, and we just take things for granted, right? That's why some churches don't even take communion every week is because they're like, oh, it just becomes ritualized and then we don't yeah. appreciate it for its actual value. I mean, we do that with everything in our life. Marriages, kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally everything. You get a brand new car, you're like, oh, I'm gonna keep it clean. Give them a year. Oh yeah, dude, for sure. The car's got oh, food. I remember when I first bought my new work truck. I was like, all right, we're not eating in this thing. I don't even want my car, like baby's car seat in here. She can't ride with me. Right? First time she gets in the car, like we we're, we stop at Chick Fil A, and sure enough, she's eating right there in the car. And I'm like, oh, that, that lasted about three days. But you so. know what though? That's God. That's God's food though. Like it's okay. <laughs> I love it. You know, your your car was sealed with the holy chicken sauce. Dude, so I went out, all right, to do a roof the other day. And uh, I, I had to go down to the cul-de-sac and make a turn. Well, the cul-de-sac was owned, and I could see beyond, like, the fence. And there's, like, this basketball court, tennis court, a giant pond, and about – four acres down the way, down the driveway, I can see this massive house in the distance. And so I pulled back over to the customer's house, like you know, talk to him. And I'm like, who is that that lives back there? Like, I, I mean, that is a massive, massive house. He's like, Oh, that's the granddaughter, the, who, uh, the owner of Chick-fil-A or the creator of Chick-fil-A. No kidding. Like, Al. Yeah. True. Kathy, that's his oh, yeah. granddaughter. And I was like, Oh, so that's wow. what being the granddaughter of true Kathy by you. <laughs> massive building. Sorry, I'm uh, texting. I should have just said this, Mike. He just got banned. That's why. That's why it's only me right now live on TikTok. Is because just Can like what happened. You me, and I, did I. I didn't say rape. I didn't say. I didn't say any of the words. Yeah, dude. I don't know what to tell you, man. It literally is just if you. I don't think it was necessarily what you were saying. I think it was someone that has something against you. And any time that they go, or or somebody that has something against me that's getting all of my guests banned, Reverend like, that Brandon could be it too. He he like he he uh he saved one of my videos into his favorites the other day. I was like, what oh, do you, what, do you really? plan, what do you plan to do with that, Brandon? Dude, that's crazy. I have him blocked completely. Like with the second I see people spouting like nonsense, like Brandon Robertson, I'm immediate. I just block him. I, I don't want. It breaks my heart, man. Like these dudes, like people just have so much animosity to like who God is. I was like, if you just knew, like if you really just was or he is. He is very lost and it is very unfortunate. I like uh <laughs> I have five safe sounds I wanted to use and now we can't. <laughs> I hate it too, man. So I could pay $45 for some hacker to like restore it. Um, really? It was just, yeah. So that's the thing. Like people were recommending people. And so I messaged this guy on Instagram. I was like, Hey man, you came highly recommended. Like, how do I get this thing restored? He's like, I basically just hack into the system, get you a link. You press the link, log back in with a new password and your accounts restored. I was like, well, that sounds illegal. He's like, eh, it's not illegal. I'm not actually hacking TikTok. I'm just, 
I'm like, you're just getting behind the firewall and like giving me a link to my account. That's hacking. He's like, yeah, if you want to call it hacking. Yeah. I mean, there. This TikTok's the wild, wild bucks, west anyway, dude. Dude, I'm telling you, for 45 bucks, I might do it. Just to, apparently, I can't use this one either. So. I mean, 45 bucks isn't too bad. That might be worth it. Do you mean to send well, me so some money? Here, here, no, no, here's the thing. It's like, well, if you can get behind the firewall of that, how can you get behind the firewall of PayPal, Snapchat, mm. or uh, Cash App? Like, what, mm. what all are you doing? And obviously, I don't think he's got that kind of capabilities. But we're talking TikTok, about hacking up wood, is. guys. We're not talking about <laughs> hacking TikTok. We're talking about hacking wood for fire and fuel. Right. Obviously. Um, it would get banned again. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I agree with what Mike said. Just appeal it. I I did that when I, I got banned. I, I could. I wasn't allowed to. Really? Yeah, it just logged me out of my account completely. It said account no longer exists. No, I had the, thirty. The, I had thirty days to get my photo of videos. Just the one right now. Oh, this one? Yeah, I tried. It should take right. about twenty-four hours, but I know it it restored mine after uh, after twenty-four hours, um, and I knew it would. Hey, your account has been restored. Look at that. Already? Yep. Look Pretty at that. that. It did not violate anything. Hey. Damn. See, look at I that. Wish there's, would be like, there's redemption. I wish they would like, tell you, hey, user 1278 was the one that did it. Well, you know what What? what it What it does do, though, is it's going to tell them. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hang on a second. Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. What it's going to do is it's going to tell them that they found no offense in their report. So it will go back to whoever reported you and they will get a notification that they did not find anything that violated community standards. So you do get the last word. Everybody yeah. welcome Logan back. Welcome. He's hey guys. Just came from jail. Terrorists can't keep me down. Right. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> Thanks, Bush. Appreciate it. If he can't see these comments, please read that. He he is. He, uh, Mike said, uh, go to your desktop. I got kicked off too on my phone when I got banned. Um, what do you have to do on your desktop? What does the desktop do? B, is, B said, hacking schmacking. Brody, what's up? Yeah, he's back, man. We got Well, that's cool, though. Hey, guys, if you haven't followed this page and subscribed to it, please do to the uh the doctrines of rad uh youtube channel and we are about an hour and 25 in and i think we're going to cut it i'm trying to keep the episodes at about an hour hour and a half so that it's easier for uh spotify um and of course the youtube um all right we got one more question let's let's answer one more question it's a silly question from she's moonlight apparently but we're going to answer it anyway i think i made my favorite christian band an idol because I'd look to them for guidance and examples instead of scripture. I repented and changed my perspective, but should I stop listening to them now? Well, I mean, I'll consider that idolatry. Um, are you starting to worship these people? Like I go to Vody Bach and, and RC yeah. Sproul for a lot of my um, like questions that I have. And I go to uh, J.I. Packer and Spurgeon and like, I'm not idolizing these individuals. Um, I guess I am in one aspect, right? Like I'm, I look up to them. They're kind of heroes of the faith kind mm. of thing. Um, but it's not idolatry. Um, 
I didn't see what something about World War II. I missed the question. He said, uh, "You look like a 1940s pilot from World War II." <laughs> that's right. That's, you do that's like, right. You have this. You almost have like a like a scarf looking thing around with you. the with the headset. Uh-huh. It's just all... Yeah, you do like Sky Captain in the world of tomorrow, I'm gonna, bro. I'm gonna get my scalps. Yeah, all my Nazi scalps. <laughs> uh, see, now you're gonna get blocked again. You just said. <laughs> yeah. it. You can't see nothing. Can't, I did not see that coming. Not seeing yeah. that coming. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like yeah. what Mike said. I would definitely uh, not compare learning from theologians to listening to what Hillsong says. That's true. Yeah. Um, I would. I go to them for all my theological understanding. I oh yeah. And then well, I back that. I back that up with Bethel, followed by uh, it, Kenneth Copeland. I know I wasn't gonna do. The, I wasn't gonna, you know, really rely on Bethel. But the fact that they substantial, you know, they they brought Kenneth Copeland in, who's such a solid Bible teacher. I was like, well, these guys have to be doing the right thing. Um, yeah. That's a joke, by the way. If you don't know, um, it's not a joke. I would. I just want to add to Moonlight's thing. Look, if you, if you. An idol is something that you devote your time, your talent, and your treasure to. And that's why we're, we're called to devote our time, talent, and treasure to the church, because it's not idolatry when it comes to in the, being in the body, being a part of what God is doing in his kingdom. So if you devote, uh, here's a good comparison. Do you devote more time to your band that you idolize uh, than you do to your church? Um and you put too much, you know, credence and value into what they say, then that's problematic. However, if you can recognize that you're going down that road of idolatry um, and you can repent, which means to change your mind, right? Change your mind about it. Repent to, towards God uh, on, on the issue. Um, as long as you don't fall back into those same routines, then I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with listening to the band again. Uh, like you said, you're a 21 Pilots fan, so am I, you know, but um, I like their music. Uh, I don't know them in real life. I would, and I do know that they're believers. I know specifically that Tyler is a believer. I'm pretty sure that Josh is also. Um, but, uh, you know, if they were to fall away, I it wouldn't, I don't think it would impact me because I'm just like, I, my salvation isn't dependent on their, their theology, you know? So that would be my uh, that would be my recommendation, but uh, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, you did the gospel last time, so if I can have a crack at it, and then we'll uh, we'll close it out. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, let me just tell you about this Jesus real quick. Uh, we we as human beings uh, we live in a way that is uh, rebellious, and uh, what I mean by that is it's. We, we often put our own interests first, first before uh, what God calls us to do. And because of that rebellion, uh, we have been separated uh, and we are now owed a, uh, a payment for the sin and the rebelliousness that we inherently commit every single day of our lives. Uh, and the payment for that is death. And uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the wages of sin is death. However, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so, yes, God must punish sin because God is a just judge. He will always judge rightfully. He doesn't change. He doesn't, he, uh, he doesn't shift 
God is consistent. And so God will always consistently judge sin. But that presented a problem, not a problem for God because he had a plan, but a problem for us because if God must punish sin and I'm inherently by nature a sinner, then I must be punished. And God, being the amazing God that he is, decided to take upon himself the punishment that was owed to me and to you and to everybody else that has been born. And the Bible says that on the cross, he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin. He became a substitution so that God would still remain a just judge by punishing Jesus for the sin that we owe payment for. That is what makes Jesus unique among all of the other gods. That is what makes Christianity unique from all of the other religions, is that God knows that we can't save ourselves. He knows that we can't pay. We, we don't have enough to pay for the sin that we've committed. And in order to maintain uh, his relationship with his creation, he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross to die for our in our place. And the Bible says that uh, no man can come to the Father except through me. Jesus says that. So it is only through acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross, seeing it and believing it to be true, not just hoping, not just not just uh, uh, showing up at church and saying a prayer, but but truly believing that what Jesus did on the cross was for you. That is how you are saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So call upon Jesus. Uh, and if you feel like God is far away from you, ask him to draw you to him. Ask him to do that. And I believe that he will. That is the gospel message. Uh, for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, JC. Appreciate it, brother. All right, guys, we're gonna end. Uh, we're gonna end the the live. Thank you for episode twenty seven. It's exciting. Uh, I'm glad that we're back on this routine, Logan. I'm glad that we're able to do. I think Wednesday is gonna work out. Next week, if if everything works out, we're gonna have Emilio Sarabia, who is a Christian rapper. He's a very, he's very new on the scene, but he's awesome. He, he he's on TikTok, so go go look him up. Type it in, um, Emilio Sarabia. Uh, and he's, he's, he's pretty slick, man. We're going to have him on. We're going to talk about Christian music, the industry and what he's doing to prepare himself to remain in the faith while he is in the midst in of the light, yeah. in the light. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, you know, I'm a rapper, right? Like I'm, I'll be rapping. I'll be capping. I'll be happening. Tap, tapping. I'll be happening. Ding, ding, wing. See, man, I got it. Dude, I'm you're good. so good, bro. I'm good. You're the best rapper that there is. <laughs> I, I taught Eminem. One day yeah. we'll get Mike. Mike used to be a uh, rapper, so if we can get him to come on and rap for us, which he says he does, he's not about that life anymore, but I believe that he is. Yeah. I believe that when he's alone he, in his car he, and he's hearing he, a He's good rapping beat, in the shower. He's like. he's Dude, I <laughs> look, I'm rapping when I hear a good beat, and I'm not a good rapper, so yeah. I know Mike is still doing it, and I know one day. He will bless us. Yeah, he needs to repent and stop lying to the world. Yeah, man. Change your mind, bro. Come <laughs> on, man. Rap for Jesus. All right, guys. We love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night. I'm going to close this out on the YouTubes. And uh, I'm going to.